This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. to another episode of purple insider matthew collar here and joining me that franchise guy marcus whitman his youtube page that franchise guy is where during the regular season he and i co-host the show and if you have never checked it out awesome awesome youtube page one of the best football youtubes out there in the world and of course a minnesota native as well what is going on welcome back to my show marcus on your page we've been doing shows all the time so we got this thing down by now so we really have to bring it here on purple insider yeah it's it's great to be over on your side of things thanks for having me uh excited to talk some quarterbacks today should be fun all right, so you put out your list, your at least initial list of how you view the draft pick quarterbacks. We're going to talk about that, but I want to find best fits because in the coming weeks here, everybody's going to go to the combine and there's a bunch of quarterbacks who are trying to find a home. So I want to go through with you the starting quarterbacks and every single backup in the league. No, I'm just kidding. That would be <laughs> absurd, but it would be a funny bit, but it would be absurd. So let's talk about all the major quarterbacks quarterbacks, the guys who we expect to be drafted high and the top free agents and try to find fits for them. And I actually want to start with a shocking place on a Vikings podcast, Kirk Cousins. And I want to hear your opinion on this because I have mine. I have expressed it on the show. What I think would actually be best for Kirk Cousins. I do not believe that that's necessarily a return to the Vikings. And that's looking at it only from his perspective. But I want to hear from you where you think Kirk Cousins should land. So I do still believe Minnesota is the most likely landing spot for him. Probably his best spot in terms of where he will have the most success. Obviously the familiar uh, familiarity with the scheme, uh, the receivers, all that. Uh, but I definitely don't think it's a guarantee. And I think the Vikings are taking a very hard look at these quarterbacks. And I think it's just going to come down to, Ultimately, like, do they think their guy is in this draft? And is it time for them to turn the corner? I felt like last year would have been a good year to kind of get the clock turning. And then this year happens, and Kirk has, an, honestly, like a career year. He looks fantastic. The Vikings were turning their season around. Obviously, Flores had the defense going. And it's it's now it's kind of like, man, 
I feel like the Vikings could actually be pretty damn good with Kirk Cousins again next year. So it makes that a very tough decision. Obviously, you want the future considered. Now, in terms of other destinations, the Atlanta Falcons have got to be number one for him. They just hired Zach Robinson, the offensive co- now offensive coordinator, but uh, was over in uh, L.A. with the Rams. Obviously, very similar system there with O'Connell's connection to McVay going to Atlanta. Now they have playmakers. They have Drake London. Maybe Kyle Pitts on my dynasty team can actually do something. They've got an excellent running game that I think would look a lot better with the threat of an actual passing game there. And Atlanta's definitely, I, I know they have a new coach, but they, I feel like they have the urgency to win. They've been kind of on the cusp and I don't think hiring Raheem Morris as a defensive coach was like a rebuild type of hire. Like I think they do want to come in and compete right away in a very winnable NFC South. So I definitely look at Atlanta. And then the other one that I could kind of see is actually new England, which is not um, it's, it's not a team you hear a lot of because they have that number three pick. A lot of people assume it's going to be a quarterback Maybe this is a little bit more out there and they are locked in on a quarterback, but if they aren't crazy about whoever the third quarterback in the draft is going to be, um, I could see that being a spot with Alex Van Pelt, um, who is connections to um, Stefanski has been under him in, in um, uh, Cleveland for the last, I don't know, three years or whatever, probably since Stefanski left Minnesota. I think there's a connection there schematically as well. And Kirk could come in and kind of raise the floor of that organization as they sort of figure everything out. So those would probably be my top three. I know Pittsburgh is another team that's been kind of linked. I don't know if I'm like moving on from Pickett to go get Kirk Cousins. I'd rather risk it with like Fields or something like that or draft a guy. Um, So, yeah, those would be my top three. All right, so that's a little bit of a twist for me is talking about New England as a place because I was thinking maybe Denver would be like a low-key one and that would have to get into the salary cap is not real type of territory. They'd have to move money around, but they have to be desperate to save jobs there. And once upon a time, Sean Payton did effectively play with a pocket quarterback whose main deal was identifying where to throw the ball and throwing it accurately. And I mean, of course, Kirk Cousins is not Drew Brees, but you can sort of squint and think of it that way. And if they lose again, where is that franchise? Like their general manager, George Payton, who is very familiar with Kirk Cousins, is absolutely fired if they're not in the playoffs again. In fact, I'm almost a little surprised that he's still there anyway, because we know that, you know, Sean Payton is wielding all the power. So they would probably be on my list as a potential suitor for him. Atlanta is just the most obvious and clear to me of a team that just needs a quarterback. Everything else there is built. I think their defense showed great improvement last year. Their offensive line is good. Their running game is good. They have a similar system. It wouldn't be Kirk Cousins learning a bunch of new stuff. And they have a multitude of weapons as well. And I think if there's one, if you're comparing that with the Vikings, I mean, one, the Vikings defense has like no players under contract. So that's a big problem. But if you're comparing it, if I'm Kirk, the biggest thing I would want in this world is to win football games. And and like people could talk about his money and everything else throughout the years. But what I really want is people not to say anymore that I can't win. And if I'm going to stay in the NFC North, 
with two teams that are clearly better than the Minnesota Vikings, in my mind, in Green Bay, which drives people crazy when I say it on the show. I'm sorry, everyone. I try to live in reality here. And Detroit was just in the NFC Championship. Also, Chicago has the potential to be a top five defense if they bring everybody back and add talent. I mean, so it's hard for me to argue that you're in a great position there. But let's talk about the NFC South. I mean, Carolina is still going to be bad, even if Bryce Young gets a lot better. You cannot tell me Tampa Bay is going to be great, even if they bring back Baker Mayfield. And I mean, we're talking about New Orleans is a perpetual eight to nine win football team. I mean, to me, this is just the door is just wide open there for him to show up with that team and be their hero. And also, if I'm Arthur Blank and I'm 85 years old, I'm probably like, I don't know if I want to develop a guy over three years. I think I'd like to try to start to win football games right now. And I think Arthur Blank ultimately is the guy calling that shot over anybody else in that organization. Yeah, no, I mean, Atlanta's going to be the team that I think that paycheck can just keep going up and up to. Like, um, I agree Kirk wants to win, but he is, I mean, he's played the market so, so freaking well. Like, he understands how to maximize his career earnings. And if he kind of just sits there on the market a little bit, I think he could he could get Arthur Blank to, you know, add a couple more uh, millions to that uh, contract. So, yeah, to me, it's it's Minnesota or Atlanta, or Atlanta have got to be like the 90% plus territory in terms of it's got to be one of those two teams, I think. Yeah, Pittsburgh seems like a little bit of a odd fit there. I could see them wanting Kirk Cousins considering their quarterback play has been such a struggle in recent years. Um and they've got the weapons to do it. They've got the coach to do it. So I, I'm sort of interested in that. But would they prefer to go get Justin Fields? Which, hey, why don't we talk about Justin Fields as the next quarterback here? Mostly in Chicago, it's, well, they're going to draft Caleb Williams and whatever. Whatever happens to Fields, whatever. How? But, you know, I still think Justin Fields could be better than the version we've seen in Chicago. I'm not like a truther, like one of those people in Chicago who go completely crazy with nothing could ever be Justin Fields' fault. Oh, it was, and I watched mm-hmm. it right in front of me a number of times against the Minnesota Vikings. But I also think that he's gifted and that their offensive coordinators were bad and that we saw enough flashes to think, Maybe somebody else could do something with this. What's the best fit for you for Justin Fields? Yeah, I I think my perspective on Fields has like kind of changed over the last 500 days or so too. Like we always talk about physical tools and upside and like how, well, yeah, he's super fast. He's got a strong arm. He can throw a good deep ball. Like theoretically, he's got like top five upside or whatever. What we never really talk about with upside is the mental side of things and heading into year four for Justin Fields, his inability to consistently play on time, make the right reads um, and distribute the ball through the air. It's like at some point you just aren't really counting on that to come along at a super high level. And I do think the game moves a little bit too fast for him at times, but that's where my perspective on him has changed where it's like, I actually think he's just going to be a really solid option for someone in the same way we talk about Kirk cousins in a lot of ways. I don't think he's as good as Kirk cousins, but like you're bringing in a starting caliber option that you need to be a little bit more creative in terms of making the reads easier on him, tapping into his run game a lot too. Um, uh, But anyway, I, I think a coach that can really get the most of him is Brian Dable for the New York Giants who had Josh Allen and at a young age really understood how to use him as a runner from the shotgun 
Um, I think the way that they scheme up crossing routes and and deep deep field reads that are within like it's it's not like a snap the ball get the ball out type of situation. I think Fields is really good at those deeper reads where he can let the route develop where naturally he's going to have more time to look at it and see it get open, which I think is his biggest problem. So I love the offensive fit in New York and just kind of throwing a second round pick out there and creating a quarterback um, competition really between him and Daniel Jones. Uh, And the timeline would be good too, because Jones was a shorter contract fields. You would pick up the fifth year option and it kind of creates a two year situation of, of a decent kind of quarterback room there. Um, I'd prefer that for them as opposed to drafting a guy with the sixth overall pick in a spot where they need O-line help and they need wide receivers. I'd much rather use that pick to help those two quarterbacks there. So the Giants to me are like kind of my dream fit for him. Um, I do look, well, actually, no, it wouldn't be the Raiders because they just hired Luke Getze, and I don't think that combination is going to be brought back. So I guess I will quickly cross them off. Um but yeah, Pittsburgh is the other one for them that that I'll, I'll circle back to that. I do think with Arthur Smith's offense, I don't know how much Arthur wants another quarterback that could potentially be a guy that's not going to maximize the well-schemed plays that he does have. I know Arthur Smith gets a lot of crap uh, for from the fantasy football community especially, uh, but I do think the underlying metrics of Arthur Smith's offense are pretty good, and he schemes up a lot of... Uh, easy throws for his quarterback so you got to really dive into the film and make sure that fields is going to hit those for you but if he is a guy that can do that I think Arthur Smith can really unlock fields as a runner I feel like Chicago a lot of the times did get a little bit stubborn to a degree in that they didn't always use him as much as a runner as I think they could have I understand why Chicago felt that way, though, because they wanted to see if he could be a drop back passer and a top quarterback. But now that that perspective has kind of changed a little bit where it's like, well, let's just, you know, lean into his biggest strengths, even if it doesn't make him the most high upside quarterback or anything like that. Uh, Maximize the run game in Pittsburgh. And then I think they've got really good playmakers. They've got a lot of like 12 personnel package stuff that they can do in Pittsburgh that can help the QB run game and help the play action game. They have unique body types guys like Darnell Washington was a six foot seven, 270 pound freak that they drafted uh, tight end. They've got um, uh, an underrated H back type in, in uh, Cam Hayward's brother there who does a lot of fun stuff. So I just, I think the way Arthur Smith's offense could work there in Pittsburgh uh, could actually get a lot of people back on uh, Arthur Smith's side. Now, Pittsburgh was my number one, but then, you know, you kind of hit me with a curveball there with the Giants because I hadn't considered that at all. And then I was thinking about Brian Dable and Josh Allen and even Brian Dable and Daniel Jones, where this guy has worked with pretty much exclusively quarterbacks who are very mobile, but quarterbacks who have limitations. And the thing about Josh Allen is that he's turned into Superman, where even if he doesn't read it correctly, it doesn't matter because he just Mm. rockets the football to somebody. And I remember early in his career, even thinking a little bit, like, I don't know how good he is at just straight drop back, go through progressions and so forth. I think he's just so physically gifted that he can make stuff happen. And then when Dable got there, it's like, oh, okay. But I think a lot of it was 
quick game, short passes, get the ball out of his hand, and then do special stuff with his legs, and then hit the occasional big giant deep shot. That's one way to do it out of the shotgun. Another way to do it might be with play action stuff that Arthur Smith could do. So I kind of like either one of those fits. I actually like the Giants a little bit better, but that team is bad. But he's young, so you don't have to like just make it a one-year thing. Let's save the franchise for us. You could develop it. There was another low-key team I thought of that no one cares about at all, just in general, and that's the Tennessee Titans, where I don't really see any reason for them to be totally sold on Will Levis. I also don't see any reason for Justin Fields to have done so much in this league where he doesn't have to win a quarterback competition. Kind of like the name that always gets brought up for failed in one place and succeeded in another was Ryan Tannehill. And Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of that with Justin Fields where Tannehill's had some like ish in Miami, like starting quarterback ish, got them to a playoff, you know, was okay, but didn't have like this great resume. They brought him in. And then obviously we're able to build some pretty successful teams there, but I I really do like the fit in New York. Uh, What they do with Daniel Jones after that would be a really interesting discussion. And there's some other teams that might make sense for him, like Tampa Bay, but I feel like Tampa Bay is kind of going to be a Baker Mayfield returning there. But I, but I could see it though. Like if Mike Evans even doesn't come back, you still have some weapons there. You still have a team that needs to transition out of what they had with Brady into something new and might want a younger quarterback to compete there. Let's move to Russell Wilson because I've had a few Vikings fans ask me like, what do you think about Wilson and the Vikings? And my thing is kind of like, I, I don't think it's a fit. I don't think this franchise is in a good spot for an older quarterback, which is why I, I haven't thought it was a good idea for Cousins to return. I don't think that a timing offense built on like exact drop back, read, fire into windows like Kevin O'Connell has built fits at all for Russell Wilson. So I've rejected that one, even if you can get him cheap because of whatever offsetting stuff. The problem I'm having, though, is when I wrote down my list of quarterbacks and, and potential locations, I was like, Where does Russell Wilson fit in all of this? I don't know. I don't have a good one here for Russell Wilson. Do you? Am I missing something? I do have one. I have one. But it's only in a scenario where he actually is a bit of an odd man out, which I think is possible. I think there's a world where some of these teams just want to go the rookie route with guys like Knicks and Penix and McCarthy. Um. And there's a world where we're sitting here in July. The drafts happened. Free agencies happened. Russ doesn't have a team because he's probably going to get released. No one's going to trade for him on that contract. He's obviously not going to be back in Denver. What about the Cleveland Browns on a cheap contract to come in and be insurance to Deshaun Watson? I think within that system, he can work, kind of do a little bit of what Flacco did, just kind of take deep shots, you know, uh, boot him out, which they actually like to do. Um, Well, not a ton with Flacco, but. I think stylistically he could certainly work in Cleveland in a world where the the cards just kind of fall that way. I also think the Raiders revenge signing in division there, try to get back at Sean Payton. I mean, I don't think you can roll with, with Aiden O'Connell, um, but I also don't know if I'm sitting there drafting a quarterback in the mid-teens if I'm the Raiders either. So if he's sitting there in free agency and he's starting quarterback, you want to be competitive, uh, maybe, maybe Las Vegas interdivision division there. Those are the only two teams I really see for him. 
Folks, have you ever heard of test driving a phone network? I did not make this up. It is an actual thing. And U.S. Cellular is letting you test drive their network for free for 30 days. You can try out U.S. Cellular wherever you have that spotty service, like on your commute to work, that one spot in your house where your service dips. Test drive U.S. Cellular at your kid's school on parent-teacher night. Okay, maybe still pay attention, but by all means, make sure you test it. It's as easy as doing a little boop, boop, boop on your phone. That was me getting the app to try it out. I know, great sound effects there. Test Drive U.S. Cellular's award-winning network for 30 days. U.S. Cellular built for us. Terms apply. Awards based on open signal independent data. Visit uscellular.com for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Feels like it's going to be hard when they release him for him to find an initial home. Now, what we know about the National Football League is that quarterback health is not for long most of the time. And I could see it kind of playing out that way, almost in Flacco like fashion where somebody gets hurt. They bring in Russell Wilson because he doesn't have a home. I don't know if I love it for the Raiders. They might view like, oh, we were good with Aiden O'Connell in the second half of the season. We just need a quarterback. We're not that that young of a team. We need someone for Devontae Adams. That's who I had. Another team I had on my list for Russell Wilson was one that I think was seeking him out at one point in a trade, and he did not want to go there because their owner is was a sociopath, but no longer in Washington, uh, where if you're going to draft, let's just say Jaden Daniels, let's say that's who they have their eyes on. I don't know that, but let's say that's who mm-hmm. they want. I think Jaden Daniels would be a guy who might be – benefiting from some development. We could talk about that when we get to the draft pick quarterbacks. You bring in a mobile quarterback to build your offense around, then you draft Jaden Daniels. So now you've got sort of two birds of a feather there, a veteran that, as weird as he may be, can show him the ropes, show him how to play, make you competitive right away, which I'm sure the new owner would prefer their team to start going up this way as opposed to what we saw uh, you know from our weekly musings together on your YouTube channel that uh, I like Sam Howell more than most, but 
that's just not their starting quarterback long-term. Yeah. That's that's Sam Fitzpatrick uh, in the league for, for years to come, I think. So I kind of liked that as one of the teams that's going to draft somebody, even New England in this conversation as well. If you're going to draft Jaden Daniels, he's going to need to develop. So bring in Russ paired with him. And that's that's kind of the best I could do here. Yeah, it's he's going to be fascinating. I I mean, I wouldn't even be stunned if he's just like not playing next year. Kind of like when Carson Wentz just didn't get a job and was just hanging out, kind of waiting on a phone call. It never came. Um, it, Cam Newton, another guy that like kind of had the, I, I guess, ego to just be like, I don't really want to be a backup. Like, I'd rather just chill and watch football and, you know, collect my guarantees from this massive release that he's about to get. I wouldn't be stunned if Russell's just like not playing in the NFL next year. And then we're talking about him next year as like an interesting signing for a different team and a different type of window. Um, another team that did creep into my mind, if he was going the more backup route would be the jets just um, because they need to win. And if, if Aaron's Achilles pops again, in week one, they, they are, I think going to be spending a backup quarterback. So if Russ is more of a high level backup, that's making, $14 million or something like that. Wouldn't be surprised if the Jets want to fork up some money there. That would be so weird. So weird. Can you imagine? Um, <laughs> well, you know, at one point, you know, I like to do 90s throwbacks. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys had Bernie Kosar as their backup quarterback, which Bernie Kosar at one time was an elite quarterback. And then he was just old and Troy Aikman's backup. So it does happen uh, throughout mm -hmm. history sometimes. And even Carson Wentz being the backup quarterback for Matthew Stafford, who would have thought that in 2018, for example. Um, so yeah, it does happen. I, I think if you're Wilson, your best route here is to hang out and wait till somebody gets hurt because they yeah. will. And imagine if he was doing that last year and multiple quarterbacks pop Achilles and he's right there he would have stepped right in for the Jets and they might have made the playoffs with him yep. as opposed to what they were doing. So let me throw this one at you now. Baker Mayfield and or wild card. Like, is there anybody else other than Mayfield? Because I think he's just going back to Tampa Bay, but I do think he'd be a fit with the Vikings if they want that sort of bridge-ish quarterback or if they just don't believe in any of these quarterbacks in the draft, that he's a better option. Younger probably br brings you a lot of the same stuff Kirk Cousins does, except for he isn't 36 with an Achilles injury and probably will cost less. Um, so him or anybody else, like, I, mm -hmm. I, you know, Kyler's name was getting brought up, but it seems like Arizona is going to stick with him. That's probably the right move. And I'm trying to think, like, could there be anybody else that, would shock us like, oh, wow, they traded or released their quarterback. Uh, Geno Smith today is they're picking up his guarantees. So he's going to stay in Seattle. Mm -hmm. ba Baker plus wild cards before we get to the draft pick quarterbacks. I think I, in my mind, Baker's back in Tampa. They just they love him. They loved everything he did. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear about that within the next couple of days here uh, about an extension for him. I think that's kind of their first priority. Uh, but a couple names that would be interesting for me are Jacoby Brissett, who I felt like was was a top 20 quarterback in Cleveland last year. And then Washington signed him, but then we're just like, yeah, we just want to play Sam Howell and see how this goes. I do think Jacoby Brissett is one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the National Football League, and I believe he's set to hit free agency again. I think it was just a one-year deal, but he could also be like a cheap trade. Washington doesn't really have a use for Jacoby Brissett. 
um, right now because they're going to draft a guy at number two. So he's a guy I, – I mean, I think if we are talking Vikings, if if they did go like the J.J. McCarthy route, for example, in the draft, I would love a Jacoby Brissett signing to be a starter. I don't really want J.J. McCarthy starting right away. I want him at, at least for like the first six weeks, like make sure he's ready before you put him out there. Um, so I do think Jacoby wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised if he's starting um, somewhere. And then the other one that's just kind of fascinating to me is Carson Wentz. Um, just, you know, he he kind of like you think of what happened with Baker. He, he just kind of ended up in in uh, Sean McVay's locker room at the end of the year before. And just kind of like I feel like Sean McVay has this sort of like the, his coaching style and his leadership may have carried over to Carson and be like, just relax, dude, you're fine. You're a good quarterback. Cause I think that's really all Carson Wentz needs. I think everything just got so chaotic with the bad offensive lines he was playing behind that he would just, he would catch the ball and drop his head and stare at the rush and just forgot how to play quarterback. He's, he is interesting to me. Obviously you're not signing him to be your starter, but he he's a guy that I'm still not quite ready to quit. Um, and then another guy is Sam Darnold who kind of similar idea going to Kyle Shanahan's offense when he played, Look pretty good. That tends to happen when you're the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. But he's another guy that, you know, we, we've seen Geno Smith now have this reemergence. We've seen what's happened with Baker Mayfield. I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world to say Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold could be starting quarterbacks in the NFL again. I think with Sam Darnold, I've really liked that idea. My initial was my initial reaction was like, oh, I don't I don't know. Even uh, I included it in an article about, you know, quarterback options for the Vikings. And I thought, should I even include that? But mm -hmm. then I started looking back a little bit at who coached him and who was around him. And now that's, you know, an excuse, of course. But you're talking about. Number 32 of 32, the coaches that he had. Adam Gase was one of the worst coaches in the NFL. And then he goes to Carolina with Matt Rule, who had no business coaching in the National Football League. And like, that's different than Kevin O'Connell, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, Christian Derisaw, Kevin, you know, like uh, the, the Rams offensive system. Like, I kind of like that paired with a draft pick for the Vikings as a, as a guy who might have the upside. And if you don't like the guy you drafted, maybe he could work out or he could just surprise you and be good. Or if, if he's just mediocre, he already showed that he was willing to be a backup quarterback behind a young quarterback in Brock Purdy. And they must've liked what he did there for Kyle Shanahan to keep him more than Trey Lance. So that kind of, sp I think speaks well of him. I, it was reminding me a little bit though, where you're talking about of like going to McVay and being his backup or going to Shanahan, sort of like how coordinators would go to Nick Saban. Like I got fired out of the yeah. NFL. Let me go work for Nick Saban. And I'll get myself back in to the NFL. Like the, the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan image rehab center. Yeah. And then now like everyone <laughs> thinks that you're good. Uh, but I do, I do think that um, Sam Darnold, as far as fits go, would be maybe one of the best fits for the Vikings out of all the quarterbacks. Now let's get to the draft. Now, Caleb Williams, I think this one is so locked in that it's not worth talking about where he's the mm -hmm. best fit. I think the Bears are going to draft him and have no conversation about it. Not the next guys, though. You're getting a little bit of that. Well, could Daniels go number two? Could May go number two? Could no one go number two? Like, what... It, in the world of being realistic at, at teams that could trade up teams that could draft them, where do Drake may and Jaden Daniels fit best for you? 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. In terms of fit, I I still like Drake May to Washington at number two. I do not like him to New England. I don't like either of these quarterbacks to New England at three, honestly. I just... It's a mess there right now. Um, it is not the type of situation you want to put a young quarterback in. So it's just, just like rule out scheme for a second. Like just in terms of O-line, receivers, new coaches, I do not want them going to New England. Um, then you go down the board a little bit. I mean, I already talked about the Giants at six. Um, I think they're that Brian Dable I still just think very highly of. And I do think for a lot of the reasons we said with uh, – you know, how he taps into the quarterback run game and all that stuff. If Daniels were there for the giants at six, I think it's very fascinating. Even then though, the offensive line is not where you want it. Receivers aren't quite, you know, what you want there. So when you really think about like realistically where these quarterbacks are going to go, I think one of these guys is going to get screwed a little bit. (laughs) Um, Like I think one of these guys will go to a team that's going to have a bad old line. Isn't quite ready for them. And uh, Daniels would be the guy that worries me a little bit in terms of like, can he survive that? It was such a fruitful situation at LSU where they have a system there where he's just thrown outside the numbers. He's not even really reading the safeties. He's just kind of reading the leverage. And, you know, if, if neighbor stacks his corner on the outside, or he also had Brian Thomas, who's probably going to be a top 20 pick in this draft, both great athletes, vertical threats. It was just do you have the leverage? If it's there, throw it. And he's a great deep ball thrower. Um, but if he's going to a spot that wants him to be more of a pro reads quarterback, doesn't have a lot of time to throw, doesn't have guys like neighbors in Washington getting open, I would worry that he would he would regress back to being a little bit scramble happy. And that the other thing with him is he doesn't really read or see the middle of the field like at all. So if those outside, like you need pass protection, you need great receivers if you're going to throw outside the numbers in the NFL. And if he doesn't have those, I just don't know what else he brings to the table other than just scrambling, where he is a smaller guy, by the way. So if he's running more, he doesn't really slide. Like I I don't know if I have an answer for the best fit for Jaden Daniels, to be honest. And I, I'm coming off as like a Jaden Daniels hater, 
um, I guess. I do like Daniels. Um, but when it comes to Drake May, I I do like his projection in Washington. Um, with Terry McLaurin specifically, like it's it's not that Daniels I don't know where I'm going with this. They both have great deep balls, but I do think Drake may has more of that pro level ability to get the ball out a little quicker and, and kind of build things a little bit more schematically. Um, man, I wish I had a better answer for you. I feel like I'm coming off as this huge pessimist. Um, when you go down the board a little bit though, I do think there's some interesting fits. I think Penix with Minnesota is fascinating, not with the 11th pick or is it 11? Yeah, 11 for Minnesota. Yep. Um, I think if Minnesota creeps back into the first round or if he happens to be there in the second round, which I don't think is impossible with Michael Penix, I love him in Minnesota because I think the O-line's pretty good. You've got the just incredible receivers to push the ball downfield. Penix has some deficiencies in terms of playmaking and and pocket sense and all that, but he is, he is one of the best deep ball throwers in this draft and, and in – recent drafts like he is fantastic i think with the weaponry in minnesota that is a spot where you're talking about a guy that can go late first early second and actually be like a franchise quarterback and then i like bo nix a lot actually in denver um in terms of a good fit there bo nix is one of the most efficient like first read quarterbacks that i've seen in a while in terms of just when it's open he is so consistently hitting it on time accurately within the structure of the play and then he adds a little bit like with his feet after that but with i think that's why um sean payton got rid of russ i think they were sitting there in the film room every week and there's these open receivers on slants crossing routes digs and payton's like why are you not throwing that are you not seeing it do you just want to hold on to the ball and go head hunting that's the opposite of bo nicks so i think you know a lot of coaches want to zig uh, you know, they'll zig when something's zagging. They want to go the opposite of direction of whatever hurt them last year. And I think Bo Nix's play style is like the total opposite of Russell Wilson. Um, so I think I think Bo Nix there could be like a day one starter. And I, I like Bo Nix. I think even as early as 12 with that team, I think I'm okay with. JJ McCarthy is the wild card here. I've I've kind of settled on the idea that I want him sitting and developing. He reminds me a little bit of like Trey Lance coming out where he's just kind of this unknown, didn't really throw a lot in college, was in this perfect situation where he was never really coming from behind and was just on this world beater team. Um, you know, North Dakota State was a world beater relative to their competition for Trey Lance. Um, so that one's just going to come down to like, how does he how does he interview? How does he work at the next level? Um, so that I suppose just comes down to like, where, where he lands. Is there a veteran there starting in, in front of him? So I know I kind of talked in circles there with, with May and Daniels, but when you go down the board a little bit, I do think there's, there's some cleaner fits. With uh, Jaden Daniels specifically, I think that after watching, well, I watched your video on him, which was excellent. Uh, and I just watched a little more of him myself and I, I'm very concerned about his personal health uh, as mm -hmm. a rookie quarterback because 
This is one thing that I think can derail someone who's very talented is getting hurt, getting set behind. And I'm worried about this with Anthony Richardson. Like this, this show could have been renamed the Anthony Richardson show last year. We talked about him so much. And then all reports that came out were that the Vikings felt kind of the same way. Uh, But then he, he gets hurt early on. And my thoughts like that, he needed that year to really develop and he was looking good, but now he's set back by that. I fear that with Jaden Daniels because he holds onto the ball for so long and he takes so many hits that it's almost cartoonish at times where you're like, dude, you can't do that because mm-hmm. in college you're fine in the NFL. You will die if you let NFL players hit you that hard. And he doesn't get rid of the ball very quickly. And so he makes me really nervous. I'm, I'm very uh, excited about his potential upside, but I was talking to somebody who was a former NFL evaluator that was like, kind of reminds me of the same thing with Justin Fields, where it, his timing is a little bit behind on a lot of these things. Like you brought up in your one of your videos that with hitch routes and stuff, the guy would have to be out of the hitch coming back toward him before he started to throw it, which is a small thing, but you need anticipation on those throws in the NFL, Mm -hmm. or it's just not going to work. And that's, that's Tyrod Taylor's downfall. That's Justin Fields' downfall and kind of reminds me of Tyrod with the way he hangs onto the ball, takes a lot of sacks. So someone needs to not play him for a while, let him figure out how to play in the NFL practice every day in the league, have a preseason and then be able to step in. New England is like the worst spot for anybody. You got no receivers, no offensive line, and they're going to want anything and everything to be excited about. Hey, go out there, kid, and get murdered right away. So I don't like him for a fit for just about anyone. I'm a little nervous about Washington because until proven otherwise, they are still Washington. And we're going to have to find out if their new ownership knows what they're doing. But if you're at the top of the draft, your team probably stinks. Uh, As far as the best fit for the Vikings, this is a daily debate where fans try to sell me on each different of the three quarterbacks expected to be around. And so you like Penix as the fit. That was my initial feeling as I was watching the season play out. Like this guy looks like out of the shotgun all the time, just throwing darts all over the place, pushing it downfield to Justin Jefferson. I don't know that anybody could push it downfield better to Jefferson than uh, Michael Penix. At the same time, there's that playmaking element that is missing. There is an injury history there that is concerning. I, I like his leadership for a fit for the Vikings. Like, yeah, he's older, but also mature. He's been through mm-hmm. a lot of things in college. Like, I don't think he's going to just get rattled right away by the NFL. So that's an interesting fit from his just pure arm talent. And we also have to remember that arm talent still wins in the NFL. Like, that's always going to be at the top of the list. The guy I can't fit, I mean, the guy I really can't figure is McCarthy because I'm old enough to remember. This is actually a time where I'm not going to throw way back, but not too (laughs) long ago. Desmond Ritter was the guy that all a draft Twitter tried to tell me was like this great first round draft pick. And I watched him and I watched and I put on my goggles and I watched and I tried to look close and I was like, where's the first round Mm -hmm. part? And I've had different people who do this professionally, tell me different things about McCarthy. Seems like he's going to be where wh- whatever building you go to, half the building likes him, half the building hates him is my guess. But when I watch, I just don't see this first round prospect that people keep telling me is going to be there eventually. And I don't know like how I'm supposed to imagine it. 
based on the tools. And when you tell me like, well, he's going to have to develop and he's going to have to be behind somebody else for a while, but doesn't have the same high end as Jaden Daniels. That's a harder sell for me. If they did it, I'd be like, okay, great. That means Kevin O'Connell's bought in. So let's go off we go. But I just keep having trouble. The more I watch finding this thing that everyone loves so much about him in his tape. He's just so inconsistent. Like, you see all the flashes, right? Like you see him rip these tight window throws over the middle of the field and like play on time. And you're like, okay, there, there it is. But then the next play, he's not making that throw or he's, he's thinks it's there, but there's a linebacker there and he just hit the linebacker in the helmet, which an NFL linebacker is going to pick that off. Um, another thing too, is like, we talk about how Penix is such a fit because he throws this gorgeous deep ball and he's super accurate down the field. There's a disconnect between Mike McCarthy's arm talent in the short to intermediate game and the deep ball. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if there's a lack of torque in his hips or what the hell is going on there. That's for the quarterback coach to figure out. But what I do know is you watch the film, and he doesn't throw a good deep ball. There's no explosiveness to Michigan's passing game. I don't think it's for a lack of weaponry. It's just when they push the ball downfield on anything other than like a deep cross that he throws pretty well to a guy like Roman Wilson. Um, it, it's kind of like the Nick Foles thing where it has like a teardrop and it just kind of falls off for some reason, except the thing with McCarthy is, you know, the raw arm talents in there. I've seen him rip like 60 mile an hour heaters over the middle of the field. So there's something you got to clean up there. And I think, especially if you're talking about the Vikings, like they're going to want a guy that's going to step in, push the ball to Justin Jefferson. Who's not, you know, trying to just be a dink and dunk receiver anytime soon. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely a wild card. I do think 11's too early. Like, I think, I, I said he reminds me a little bit of Trey Lance. I had a higher grade on Lance. I thought the tools were much better. I thought Lance threw a much better deep ball. Um, Jordan Love's another guy that, like, was very raw and sort of, we'll see where it goes. I had a much higher grade on Jordan Love than I do on, on J.J. McCarthy. So, I, I don't, kind of like you said, if he, if he goes off the board in the first round, be like, I hope it's a good quarterback's coach, a guy like O'Connell that's got a vision. Clearly, they liked what he did on the chalkboard and in the interviews. It's like, I can see the tools athletically and technically arm talent wise, but man, they got to have a plan. They got to have a plan because there's a lot of bust potential there with him. I like that you accidentally called him Mike McCarthy at one point there. And (laughs) that is the funniest image of the Vikings drafting Mike McCarthy to play quarterback. Uh, But with JJ, he's just a tough one to figure out because. I don't claim to have some brilliant scouting eye and I very well could be missing uh, something that Kevin O'Connell's going to see and they're going to know him. They're going to get to know him. They're going to sit with the room uh, with him. They're going to have him out for a visit. If we get there, uh, we'll see with the Kirk Cousins situation. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to decide, are they comfortable with the person and the growth potential and so forth? But one of the things that's just fundamental to me is if I have to imagine it, I don't like it. Like I, I, I want you to be able to direct me there it is. There's the games where this dude lit everybody up. And this is why he's a first rounder. Not, Hey, occasionally he rips it really fast, but then other times and look down the stretch in the biggest games, I didn't watch him versus Toledo tech or whatever. I watched him versus Iowa because that's a good defense. Didn't see a whole lot there. You know, watch him through the, the college football playoff. Didn't see a whole lot there that screamed to me. Oh yeah. That's franchise quarterback. I shouldn't have 
to have it explained to me. That's how I view it. And again, I could be very wrong. And if they draft him, I'll think it's the right direction overall and be comfortable with it. But that's just kind of how I'm viewing it, which makes me wonder if he's the guy that the draft Illuminati tries to tell us about that they're just completely wrong. And I saw I saw this the other day from somebody who knows everybody's name is you know, draftscout.web or whatever. But like mm-hmm. somebody like, oh, NFL is way higher on McCarthy than anyone thinks. It's like, I don't know, man. The reports are always wrong. And there's always one quarterback right. that they don't like anywhere near as much as the draft people like. And I'm curious if it's him and it might not be. He might go top 10. So I don't know. He is the most, I'll call him intriguing for me, for the Vikings and for that area of the draft. Because you got the Broncos, you got the Raiders, you got the, all these teams might be making calls to trade up. Atlanta might want to go veteran and rookie. Like there's a lot happening with this quarterback class. Let's wrap on this. You've scouted more than just them, more than just the quarterbacks who are projected as first rounders. Give me your super secret next Dak Prescott, next Tom Brady, mm. next Brock Purdy. Who is it? Who's your guy? You always got to have a random guy. Yeah. Um, all right. There's one guy I would bet against <laughs> to be a hater for a second. Uh, and then I'll give you my, my sleeper pick. Joe Milton, the quarterback from Tennessee. A lot of people were upset that he was not in my top 10 quarterback rankings video. He's one of the least accurate quarterbacks I've ever watched. And I don't know if you've watched, I mean, I'm assuming you, you watched a little bit of Tennessee's offense with, with uh hooker coming out last year. Yeah, it's so one of the I most texted, laughable. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. I, te- I, well, I texted a, a friend of mine uh, during the senior bowl uh, who likes Tennessee. And I just said, how did Tennessee ever score with this mm-hmm. man as your quarterback? Are you going to, is this, is this headed toward you telling me Joe Milton's the guy to pick? Cause it was no. like, did not look at all like NFL. I, I mean, I thought when I watched him in the senior bowl, I was like, this dude should play tight end. This is like Tyree Jackson type of level stuff. Well, yeah. And, and the thing is he's a much better athlete than Tyree Jackson. Jackson had a, a good 40 time, but he was stiff as a board. Milton can move like he actually could be a really good tight end in the NFL, like much closer to like what Logan Thomas pulled off. Um, but no, the Tennessee's offense with Josh Heupel there is it. They run that like the stack spread where you have it's just two by two. You have one guy on the line and the one guy behind them. They run that like 60 plus percent of the time. They have like a bunch of checks and I'm convinced their playbook is like 22 plays max. And it's just like he's not he's literally just reading one half of the field. He never turns his head and like reads a defense. This was a big holdup I had on Hooker last year, too. But Milton, it's like he's not accurate. Um, he's a six year player. He had to transfer out of Michigan. Um, like he just he's not a quarterback, man. I think he's being stubborn to play quarterback when he could actually have a great career uh, elsewhere. But so that's not the guy, because I think a lot of people will say, Kind of like we talked about with Fields earlier, where it's like, well, theoretically, like, yeah, he's got a great arm. He's a great athlete. Technically, his upside is high. But in six years in college football, he's never learned the position. So where's the upside? Um, one guy that I'll, I'll give you two two sleeper names. Spencer Rattler is a very fascinating name. Definitely a guy. If I'm the Vikings or the, you know, I don't know, Steelers or whatever, you're looking for a, a gem that can maybe sit a little bit and, and surprise it's not too often you find legit five-star tools in the third round or wherever Spencer Rattler is going to go. He's accurate. He can run. He's got a, he's got a nasty arm. Um, 
and he's matured a lot. His his tape is still it's still immature, quote unquote. Like there's still not a ton of pro reads and like a, a high level NFL profile. There is a reason he's not being talked about as a first round player, but compared to what he was at Oklahoma, where it was just backyard football all the time, passing up first reads, electing for scramble drill, a lot more structure play and a lot more, again, mature quarterback play from um, Spencer Rattler, who I always accidentally try to call Desmond Ritter. So if I already did that, I apologize. Um, but uh, yeah, he's very fascinating to me. Seems like off the field, he's really grown up and, and learned. And I, I always like a quarterback that has gone through some adversity and, and had to um, kind of evolve a little bit. And then another guy that in a lot of ways, he's just this year's like fourth round white backup that is, you know, Bailey Zappi or, or whatever. Uh, and that's Michael Pratt out of Tulane. But he's got a little bit more to him than a guy like Bailey Zappi or I think it was Jake Hayner out of Fresno State was a fourth round pick to New Orleans last year. Pratt, there's a little bit more moxie. He took a Tulane program that I mean, I don't know where they were before he got there, but they weren't winning 10 games a year like Pratt was. Um, he's He's got some swagger as a runner. Like he's kind of got that Baker Mayfield moxie where he wants to like meet a DB and run him over. Um, and I mean, sometimes that gets you hurt, but it, you know, it, it can, it can fire up your team and get you some good scramble yards on, on a, a third down. So he's got that. And he also, you know, I, I think a lot of times you can tell a backup from a starter in the way that they just kind of manage the rush. A lot of guys that are backups, they, number one, they don't really feel the rush. So you're getting hit from the blind side. You're not really stepping up into like the clean space in the pocket, but additionally, when the rush gets in and they do see it, usually a backup's going to kind of drop their head, look to scramble, get out of it, avoid a negative play. Pratt actually kind of has that comfort level in the pocket where if an edge rusher wins right away or a blitz doesn't get picked up, he'll sidestep it, um, but he'll reset in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield. And it's like, all right, there's a little bit of something there. So a lot of people look at him as just another, you know, kind of, white fourth round quarterback pick that's going to be a backup in the NFL. And that's probably what he's going to be, but there is a little bit extra with him. And I would be, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he's another one of these Dak Prescott, Kirk cousins, mid round success stories. Uh, beware the Jake from, I remember people talking about, well, Jake from reads. Yeah. Well, Jake Fromm was a small guy with no arm. I mean, but mm. people fell in love with like, oh, he manages the pocket well. And I usually what you find, and this is where like I'm not down on Jaden Daniels. I'm just afraid he's going to get hurt. But a lot of times it's like nobody knows what they're doing in college football. So you really have to kind of go with translatable tools. Jake Fromm didn't have any. It actually does seem like Pratt does um, as yeah. far as his arm strength and his physical ability, which makes him kind of intriguing. But here on the show, we are not usually four fourth and fifth round quarterbacks because a lot of times they end up as Kellen Mond third rounder or uh, Jaron Hall. So well, Kellen Mond, talk about a guy that had no <laughs> feel in the pocket at all. Like he was one of the most rigid guys that just the second the pressure got in, it was just a complete disaster. Um, yeah. He also looked like he threw the football in 1932, like mm -hmm. with the way that it came back behind his ear and then threw it. It was just like, 
Kellen Mond, the quarterback of the future in 1934, yeah. <laughs> his best quarterback with the way he threw it. It's like, that's not how anybody, I remember being at OTAs or rookie minicamp, just being like, I have never seen a pro quarterback throw a football like this. This is weird. And um, didn't work out. So anyway, we can all sell ourselves sometimes on that guy, though. And uh, I remember getting a lot of notes from people like, Chris Sims loves Kellen Mond. I'm like, okay, that's that's great. Everybody loves somebody. Yep. So a- anyway, uh, well, <laughs> great stuff. And I implore people to go check out that franchise guy on YouTube. Again, one of the absolute best YouTube pages. And I won't tell everybody who your favorite team is uh, before they go check that out because you are a Minnesotan. That's all they need to know. So mm-hmm. Marcus, uh, great stuff. Look forward to doing more shows with you as we go along and uh, looking forward to all of your draft coverage for sure. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yep. Pleasure as always, Matthew. Thanks for having me.